You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlis, and maybe somebody else. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 26 for Thursday, December 20th, 2007. I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlis. And you know what? Let's get this right out of the way, as usual, right up front. If you have questions, some comments, you know, you want to give us a little feedback, you just want to tell us how great we are. Uh, not that we don't already know that, <laughs> but if you want to get a hold of us, you could do it one of two ways. Or you can do it both ways if you really want to. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can pick up your phone and leave us a message by actually dialing on a landline, and you could call, call 623-242-2450. And as always, we'll make sure to have these posted in the show notes so that you can get your questions, feedback, comments, and just all out admiration to us as easy as possible. <laughs> General so. admiration. That's always good. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I don't get a lot of that at home, so I definitely need that from the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you going. It keeps you going. Um, That's right. Well, so what's new, Mark? What's going on with you? Well, pre-holiday stuff, you know, all the, the cooking, the decorating, the, uh, the, the uh, what do we do? We sing, we hold hands, and uh, drink eggnog, you know, all the normal oh, stuff. Man, you're so lucky. We have, like, screaming matches, and what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> <said>? <laughs> things are a little bit uh, more pleasant in the uh, Spagnolo household, I guess. Uh, you know, my kids, I, my, my kids don't talk back because they've uh, got tails and four legs, so. Yeah, and I, I bet your kids, though, their their bark probably isn't as bad as their bite, where my kids' bite is hell of a lot worse than the, than the bark. <laughs> yeah, and they, they don't ask for much for Christmas either, so it's kind of convenient. saves us some money. Oh, man, tell me about it. My <laughs> my son is so into Legos. All you have to do is go to the Lego website, yeah. and everything that's there, he wants. It's on his list, and apparently Santa is bringing it to him. So I'm like, nice. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the Lego kits these days, I was in Toys R Us the other day. They are so much more... Uh, advanced and just it's not just a bunch of little blocks there's so many custom pieces that really only make sense on that one kit that you're buying you oh know? tell me about it it's like a totally <laughs> different thing now whereas before everything was always interchangeable but now you certainly can't put like the uh, antenna from an x-wing fighter on you know a pirate ship because it wouldn't make sense you know what i mean <laughs> Oh, no, no. In our house, it does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. You know, imagination is the key, I guess. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, we, we, we're definitely, we have some very interesting ones. And uh, yeah, and th then you get into some of the names, you know, it's not just like, you know, hey, it's a Lego fire truck. Then they yeah. have like the special, like, you know, hey, we've got these action figures and they're called Bionicles. And each one of them has the oddest name. And ironically, or coincidentally, or maybe just completely, they do it on purpose. Every year they change, and it's like one part they change. So, you know, then you got to buy the new one. Just enough to get you to buy the new one. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's smart marketing right there. I suppose. Mean, yeah, mean, yeah. but, but smart. the funny thing is they they have these like Hawaiian kind of sounding names, and yeah. my kid just looks at me every time like, you know, which one is this? I don't know. I told you what it was the last time. Don't ask me to repeat the name. Right. No kidding. Wow. Well, so. I guess uh, you know what we got a couple. Um, a couple things in the list here that we can run through and just uh, chat about instead of us just chatting about our Christmas or our impending Christmas that's coming. Um, yeah, I guess that probably would be a lot better for the listeners. We're on target. <laughs> yeah, this is still slightly off topic, but somewhat on topic. The uh, the whole mixing board debacle that we had last week and all the trouble I was having um, just to kind of finish that story. Um, I did finally get – I didn't get a refund on one of the things that I bought, but I got a store credit, which is good because I'm always buying audio equipment anyway. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, store credit for one thing. And on the second thing, I, I had purchased a... Remember I was saying they were ignoring me with my um, service agreement that I had. Uh, they actually... Uh, I called them again today. They apologized for not getting back to me, but said due to the price of the item, and I don't know whether that means that it's because it's... It must be because it's low compared to what they normally deal with. Okay, um, yep. That it wasn't worth it to ship it back and fix it, and that they were just going to issue a refund check, and that's it. So I still have the piece of equipment and it works. It just has this very annoying clicking noise that happens once in a while. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to still try to salvage it if I can. But bottom line is I'm getting my money back, which is good. Yeah, yeah that That's a Christmas gift all its own when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. So so that's good. And I think right now we're just going to go more old school with the um, standard analog mixer and just hope that we get the mix, you know, correct on the way in. And you know what? If you don't touch your settings and I don't touch mine <laughs> between each show, we should be fine. <laughs> oh, know? that's no problem. No, see, the thing now is to get my kid not to touch it. <laughs> there you go. That's the challenge. Exactly. Um, but let's see some other things I wanted to uh, to chat about. Um, did you happen to see the crazy wood net thread that won't die? Uh, no, no, I haven't seen this. I unfortunately haven't been over there in a while. What's going on? <laughs> Go to Woodnet, and there is a thread titled David Marks and Mark Spagnolo. Uh, horribly misspelling my name, but still. Um, and it started off as someone just saying, you know, hey, I, I watched an episode of Woodworks finally and wasn't that impressed with it. Um, you know, and regardless of anyone's opinion of that, that that was that person's opinion. And he was just making a comparison that he thought, you know, someone like me doing my own show on the internet was actually, I, I guess to him, to him was like a better show. But what do you think that did on this thread of people who are fans of, of Woodworks and David Marks? Um, you know, just spurred on the, the most ridiculous debate of who's better, you know, kind of thing, comparing Norm, David Marks, Scott Phillips, you know, myself, they even brought in uh, T. Chisel. And I think there was an even there's toward the end, there's references to Charles Neal. And it's so it's so dumb. I mean, th- there were people who had good points and were very, you know, uh, spoke intelligently about the topic, but it just got out of hand, you know. Oh, so this almost sounds like this this could have easily turned into like a, a gang fight is what it really yeah, comes down yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, if know? these people were in person, that's probably what would have happened. So check it out. I'm looking at most of the threads on Woodnet. Eh, the biggest one here has like 50 replies, 19 replies, 18. Okay, there's one that's got 34. This thread has 130 replies. Oh, <laughs> and and it's so dumb. Like some of the responses are so ridiculous. But anyway, I, I if you get a chance, it's it's a good afternoon of reading. Okay, go definitely. I'm gonna do that on my next uh, my next break when I'm at work. I'm gonna head over there and check that. It's <laughs> that crazy. is that is a riot when it comes down to it. I mean that 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 is just. You know, there's that part of you that it's like just to be thrown into the 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 you know the the whole storm of it. it's kind yeah. of neat, but at the same time, you really see how pe- passionate people can get about you know just one little little yeah. topic, and just you know that's when it's just what absolutely we understand how wars get started. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and well, my my first sentence in my the you know I think I replied twice. My first response was, you know, this is uh, a dream come true and my worst nightmare all wrapped in the one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how cool to be compared to some of these great people who I idolize, but at the same time, I don't want to be compared to these great people that I idolize, you know. <laughs> not in this way. <laughs> no, definitely not in a, you know, one being better than the other, please. You know, that's ridiculous, but anyway, I thought it was funny and if you haven't read it, folks, you may want to go over there and read it because it is it is a little bit entertaining at the least. 
Oh, um, that's good. Yeah, so. I'm definitely I'm marking that right now to head over. <laughs> yeah, and um, hey, you know, I we're not going to act like I didn't ask you the question, but I think it might be a cool question for you to answer. I actually emailed Matt uh, over the past week uh, because I'm in the market for a very long sort of jointer plane style plane, something with a substantial base. Uh, primarily for flattening panels. I really want to flatten my workbench, you know, the old fashioned way. And I don't have anything more than like, you know, just the standard um, old Stanley bench plane that I don't think is giving me the the reference surface that I really want. So I asked Matt's advice. I said, what would you buy if you were just going to buy one and you were going to sort of make it a multitasker, but its primary goal or primary purpose, I should say, is to flatten panels. Um, which one would you get? And I, I think what I had asked you was whether it's better to go for the number six, four plane or mm-hmm. the number seven jointer, uh, right. and ask you your question. So maybe you can kind of go into, uh, you know, what you, a- once you answered and your justification for it, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I did have to kind of laugh when I got this. I was like, oh my God, between Tom and I, maybe <laughs> we finally broke him down. It's yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, no, really. <laughs> But the one thing I was thinking, and I, I know I had mentioned this, was um, you had you had mentioned the number six, and and, and the number six four plane would work great for, for the situation. But when it really comes to the ultimate, really truing up uh, a, a any type of length or or a wide board or something, yeah, the number seven jointer just excels so well at this. Okay, and it a lot of it is because of the fact that it's coming in at like twenty two to twenty four inches in length. And, uh, you know, and when you really think about it, if you've ever seen one or even felt one, these are heavy planes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they really are. And the, but the funny thing is, um, once you actually get the cut going, that weight works totally for you. So even though you, you probably still kind of build up some beefy arms from uh, from using it consistently, you actually find that, that that weight will completely push through and give you a great a great result from it because it holds it tight against uh, the surface. Okay. So that way there's no kind of skipping. And then more importantly, because of that extra length, really, if you think about it, with any type of surface, you know, the, the, the panel itself, either over the length or the width, there's kind of these dips and these, these hills. And the idea is that we, we want to keep a complete surface going from one hill to another hill. And anything like from a, a number five down, um, you're, you're getting too small. It, yeah. it's, it, there's a chance that it could to some degree kind of drop down into those into those uh valleys is what it really comes down to right so by having the number seven uh, um which I, I that i think that was the one i really kind of was like you know the six is really good but i would really go for the seven sure you, yeah you're pretty much guaranteed that especially on especially like with, with a workbench where you're, you're working with you know probably like about a, a six feet in length or maybe even a little bit longer um you know you're definitely going to get way better results from it because of that extra length on it and right. you know coming back and, and cheering up the board the the workbench periodically with it is just a really great way to make sure that it's going to stay in there i know christopher schwartz you know how many times have you read a thread on woodworking blog where he that's exactly what he's talking about you know where he's gone back and touched it up or while building one of his many workbenches yeah. has uh, has used it <laughs> right yeah that guy's got some workbenches under his belt that's for sure yeah I, I just recently bought his uh his new book that he has out the workbench one and i haven't had a chance to sit down and read it because i know it's one of those the second i sit down and read it 
the whole world is going to disappear on me. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have this image of like, you know, chaos in the background, the cats jumping through the trees, the kids are ripping stuff apart. And here's dad just sitting there just <laughs> in bliss. Oh, look, yeah. <laughs> look at the English workbench. In I your think own that's so world. much better. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's the one you save for the holidays. You know, when, when family's around and you just want to kind of zone out, but still be in the same room as everybody, yep. pick up that book and start reading. <laughs> exactly. I could, I could easily get lost in it. Hey, you know, that's a good book to add to my, my stocking stuffer list. I didn't even think of that. Oh yeah. It, it's definitely, I got it the other day and um, I, I definitely, I was just kind of perusing through it. And I think in just the, just, just uh, perusing through the main pages, I easily lost 20 minutes of time. I was like, wow. holy crap. That's I awesome. get back to work. <laughs> no, it looks like a fantastic book. I definitely want to get my hands on it. Um, right. you know, well, the thing is with the, with the whole plane thing, I'm, I, I think when you and I do this show and even Tom as well, I think we tend to fall into stereotypes, you know, um, just because it works better for the show. And, you know, obviously I am quite a bit more intrigued by power tools than I am by hand tools, um, you know, for the most part, but that's because that's what I have access to and what I've worked with over the past few years. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not interested in hand tools and want to learn as much as I can about them. And and same thing for you guys. Um, It doesn't mean that you wouldn't take you know, this, uh, a 10 inch jointer, if someone was going to drop one in your shop, you know what I mean? It's just, Oh yeah, absolutely. Trust me. I'll make room right now. When's it coming? <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I think we all have interests that, that overlap. And I think, you know, but based on what we do and how we do our woodworking and for what reason we do our woodworking determines what tools we have access to. Um, so I think what I've been trying to do is kind of shake that, that image that I apparently have created for myself that I'm really only interested in power tools because I mean, really I've always been power tools and then, you know, finish up with hand tools, you know, and sort of do the bulk of the work with power tools. Uh, you know, but anything I can do with hand tools, I do when it makes sense I consider them accessories to my power tools almost. Um, right. You know, so I, I, I'm definitely looking to get a little bit deeper into that so that I can sort of show that side of woodworking as well. Because, it, it, you know, it makes sense. You have to. Right. And, and it's it's a good thing for people to learn anyway. So, Right. And I, and I think in the question, it was like you said, you know, it was you're, you're looking to maybe true up your workbench and everything like that. And once in a while, you will have a, a tool like, you know like the number seven that that's it, it excels so well at that because yeah. i mean i think really our other choices i, I remember that i think way early on in like episode one or two or something like that or maybe even just a, an email that had come in somebody was talking about using their belt sander and they were concerned yeah. about you know maybe getting away from it and i know they make those like carriages i, I think you could call uh-huh. it or yep, yep. um you know then you put the the belt sander in that so that you're really kind of limited on your options right and even with a belt sander it's still to some degree, at least in my opinion, I've never I, I've never really used a belt sander for it, but um, you know, it's to hard. some degree, I'm still. If you have it sit in the wrong spot, it could easily you know get away from you. Yep. And not to mention all the sawdust and everything else. But you're you're absolutely right. And if given the opportunity, there are a ton of power tools that I have on my list that are like. Okay, as soon as as soon as the lotto comes in, yeah. this one's going first. Right, <laughs> this but, one. <laughs> but like you said, what would what would do the job better for flattening a workbench than a big old plane? A, you yep. know, a nicely sharpened, well tuned plane. Uh, I've tried to use the router method actually when I made my workbench the first time. My first flattening was done using uh, a router sled and rails on the sides, which was great. It was a great power tool solution for something that I didn't either have the knowledge, time, or skill to do at that time. You know, Mm -hmm. and now it's like, man, I would rather spend 45 minutes, you know, turn on the radio and just start hacking away at the the tabletop to get it nice and flat 
than to go through this crazy engineering effort to get this thing to to you know to actually use a router to flatten everything down. So, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I remember when you had mentioned that that was, I saw this the, the image and I'm like that is so ingenious, but at the same time, holy cats! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and that does come in handy for other things. That, that concept of that router that you know you wouldn't necessarily even want to use a, a a bench plane on for other projects, but you know in that application it's a, it's quite a task to do that. So. Yeah, definitely. All right. You know, one last thing I wanted to mention. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much we've talked about Kaleo Kala on the show. Um, Speaking of Hawaiian-sounding names... You mentioned he actually does sound words. like one of the bionicle heroes. Does I have he? to admit, sorry, Kaleo, it's true. Is your son um, getting that one for Christmas this year? <laughs> I think it might be. I'm trying the to remember. Kaleo, the Kaleo figure? The, is he white, the white one, or the green one? Maybe he's the chartreuse. <laughs> I can't well, remember. Uh, <laughs> Kaleo is uh, a pretty cool guy. He, um, I guess he's originally from the States, and he's going to school for woodworking in uh, Australia. And he actually is returning home very soon. Oh, really? Um, Okay. Yeah, so I've been helping him out getting his new blog set up, and we've, um, you know, sort of kicked off the Wood Whisperer network uh, recently. Not officially, but, you know, it's sort of, we're getting people started, and basically it's an effort to get people who might not either know how to use WordPress or, you know, the the sort of better quality blogging platforms out there, stuff that's better than just using, like, Blogger as a free resource. Um, But we're trying to help as many people as we can and get them up there with their their own blogs and get them rolling. Now, he already had a pretty well-developed blog on Blogger, but he hit the wall. Okay, yep. And eventually you go, you know what, this platform is not good enough for what I want to do. I need to do more. And uh, we helped him get in the WordPress, and he now has a killer-looking blog. It's fantastic. So if you get a chance, uh, check it out. It's at kaleosworkshop.com. That's K-A-L-E-O-S workshop.com. And to make it uh, even cooler, he apparently is very interested in podcasting. So, Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Welcome so, aboard uh, once he gets up and running. Yeah, no kidding. And he actually has his first audio episode out, and he's in the process of uh, trying to get iTunes rolling and stuff like that. Uh, but he's got the first episode. I gave it a listen last night, and it's just, you know, one man, a microphone, and his thoughts on woodworking and some tools. And, you know, it sounds like it could very well turn into a, a very interesting show. And I mean, I know I love listening to um, to Matt's Basement Workshop. You know, even it, it just the the flow of it is really good, and it's sometimes I wonder if I would ever even be able to do that by myself. You know, continue <laughs> yeah, that. There's flow. some days I'm down here going, "What the hell am I doing?" Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing when I get to to bounce ideas off of you and we work together, but doing it by yourself, I give you guys credit for doing that. That's pretty cool. So, well, thank you. Um, yeah, hey, no problem. Uh, but it's a good show. Give it a listen, and uh, we'll be very uh, anxiously anticipating what uh, Kaleo comes out with in the next few weeks. It should be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm marking that down right now. And yeah, I know some of the, the uh, articles that he contributed, you know, when we really kind of had uh, woodtalkonline.com up and running and right. he contributed a couple there, they were fantastic. Yep. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to listening to this. Yeah. His, his blog know. posts are good too. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. I know what I'm going to listen to tomorrow when I'm supposed to be listening to my boss. That, so there right you go. There. Just get that clear, <laughs> that clear little earbud and pop it in there. No one will ever see it. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I so, think we could right. probably jump right into some emails here if you want to take our first one. Oh, sure. Let me see here. Okay. Now we have one here from Glenn who, let's see, currently I have a cheapo jig for drilling pocket holes. Basically, it's preset for three-quarter inch wood. Yet you set it in place, clamp down, and drill away. Repeat as needed. I've noticed fine metal shavings from the guide coming out and with almost every use. And there seems to be a bit of play in the jig itself as the exit hole shifts around a bit. Oh, I, I know that one. Mm. Uh, sometimes closer to the edge, sometimes not. 
Now, recently I was working on some simple shelving made out of three-quarter inch plywood and used the pocket hole jig. Basically, this was the first real, and he has it in quotations, uh, project with it. However, the results were horrible. Several times I had the pocket hole blow out, and in a few cases, the screw poked out of the end piece, uh, uh, the end, end of the piece. My setup technique was the same, and I even tried accommodating by shifting the jig back a bit, like an eighth of an inch or so. I haven't drilled more than 75 holes with this jig, so I'm left wondering if it's really just a poor jig, operator error, or what. I'd like to use pocket holes in a lot more of my projects, but if not, uh, if not, I have to fuss with it this much. Uh, let's see. I'm pretty much convinced I need to get a Craig jig and get out of that land of El Cheapos. Which guy, uh, Craig would you guys recommend? I'm thinking the K3 is their greatest at the moment, but I'm having a hard time figuring out the difference between the K3, the R3, and whatever else uh, that's still on the market. Hmm. And that was from Glenn's. So huh. was, what do you think there, Mark? Have you, uh, now, we, we've talked about pocket hole uh, joinery before. And yeah, I, yeah. I think we both kind of agree that we kind of use it in kind of hidden locations. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, it's got its appropriate places. Um, you know, I do have a Craig unit. I believe it's the K3. I'm not 100. It's not the, uh, like, the top notch with the vacuum attachment fancy one. It's, uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't use it that often. All I know is I took it out of the box, I attached it to a board, and then put one of those little toggle clamps on it that holds the workpiece to it and made my own little jig out of it. Uh, okay, and, yep. and it came out really good. Now, what I would say is, number one, pocket hole jigs, one thing that's great about pocket holes, you know, the whole concept of that joinery, is it's cheap. Yes, you absolutely. Know? And no offense, Glenn, but man, you must be a, a cheapy kind of guy. <laughs> because... <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of picturing this as almost like one of those, hey, buddy, over here, I got some jigs in the back of my <laughs> yeah. car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are relatively inexpensive. I think you can walk out the door with a really good Craig setup for like 70 bucks. Now, I, I don't mean the sound offensive. Obviously, if, if money's tight, money's tight, and you got to do what you got to do. But you, he, he's doing the perfect example of what we all learn the hard way is, you know, you either buy it once and you're mad about it because it's expensive or you buy the cheap one and you're mad about it every single time you use it. And then you have to go and buy the better one later anyway. And you wind up spending grand total more than the original price of the good one. You know? Oh yeah. If I, if I added up how many times I've done that, I, my college, my kid's college fund would be definitely well-rooted right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if he's seeing metal shavings, if he's getting wobbling and he can tell that it's, uh, uh, you know, that he's not getting good registration, it sounds like the jig is definitely not that good. He's getting too much play in the joint. Um, mm -hmm. I know with my Craig, when you actually drill through and pull out, you have to be careful not to, you know, to tweak it one way or the other because it actually will bind up on you. You know, because yep. it is a pretty tight tolerance. Uh, so they do even have that little portable one, you know, that you can, it's basically got a single hole in it and you just clamp it onto the workpiece and move from piece to piece. And that's, that's really inexpensive. Um, yeah, that one, it's, uh, I, I just brought up the website and that one's coming in at like 22. And I know for a fact that I picked up, actually, I needed a new drill bit because I was using mine for some face frames that I was making and mm -hmm. I pretty much kind of wore down the bit and I really didn't feel like taking the time to sharpen it. So I went and got one. And if I remember right, I think Craig now was pretty much get a replacement drill bit. You're, uh, you're getting the uh, that little pocket one that you're talking about, the little oh, one holder kind of a thing. Nice. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So. so though that's one thing. Now, the other thing I might suggest, if he's seeing that it's loose because the, it, you know, the back end of the jig is is allowing for too much play, that's one thing. But another thing that I've noticed on some of these jigs, when it says three quarters of an inch, it really means three quarters of an inch, right? Now, if he's using plywood, 
he's a little under three quarters of an inch. Yep. Okay, so sometimes you need to make an adjustment to the jig to accommodate the fact that it's probably 23, 30 seconds or whatever that plywood happens to be coming in at. Again, it's right. not a full three quarters. So you definitely may, I know I did a project once before, had everything set on three quarters and I'm blowing through the plywood left and right, you know, and it took me a few minutes to realize, oh, duh, you know, they're actually really meant three quarters, not three quarter inch plywood. Right, exactly. So. Yeah, and I've been there. I've done that myself too. So I, I think you're spot on with that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the other one I always had a problem with was when uh, I'm not sure what the, the system that he has, but the actual drill bit itself, that stepped drill bit. Yeah. Um, the uh, the 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 collar on it. Sometimes I haven't tightened it down enough, or oh, yeah. in the process of pushing so hard to get it into the jig, I've been known to actually hit it hard enough that the collar will actually kind of slide back a little bit. Okay. And yeah. so I've run into that one where it's like everything is supposedly is set up, but what the hell's going on? And then when I remeasure it, it's like. Hey, how did how did that get back there like that? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> nice. All right. Well, so. we can move on. I think. Um, yeah, definitely. Okay. The next one is from Andrew, and uh, well, this is one that we could probably spend all day on, and in some cases in the past we have, uh, but let's not do that this time. Uh, okay, we'll try not to. <laughs> Andrew says, "What's the best finishing technique for a person who does not have access to a spray gun or a booth or both? What's the best way to finish a piece of wood uh, furniture if it's going to be stained first? What is the difference between stain and varnish? Um, now, it's, uh, I guess I'll take these one by one, and uh, you can chime in if you uh, if you disagree with me. Um, okay. Best finish? Well, that's that's kind of subjective. It really depends. I think my favorite finish to recommend to students and and to our you know viewers and listeners usually is your basic oil varnish blend. You know, something that has a a one third approximately one third varnish component, one third oil be it uh, boiled linseed oil or tongue, and then a third mineral spirits. Um, it's very easy to use. You just flood it on, wipe off the excess, excess uh, You know, do th- four or five coats, however many you want. You can start to build a little bit of a, a film with that, but it's very forgiving, very easy to apply, very easy to make, uh, and I, it's, it's kind of hard to mess it up. You know, yeah, any, I, I have to agree with you. Absolutely. Okay. Anything else, lacquer, water-based, uh, shellac, all those things become more and more difficult. Uh, they're not difficult, but I don't mean to, to overcomplicate, make it sound overcomplicated, but it's a little bit more tricky than just flooding it on and wiping off the excess. Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. The best way to finish a piece of furniture, if it's going to be stained first, you know, that also depends on the wood that you're using. You know, it's never a bad idea to put down that uh, pre-coat of, you know, maybe a one-pound cut of de-waxed shellac uh, before you stain, and that will sort of prevent blotching. Uh, If you don't have a blotch, uh, you know, a wood that's prone to blotching, you can sometimes just go right from a 180-grit sanding directly to your staining step. Um, But again, we could spend all day on talking about that topic, but generally speaking, I like to put a a one-pound coat of shellac, sand that back a little bit with, uh, you know, like a 220 grit, and then move on to whatever, you know, oil-based finish or uh, finish we just recommended before would be perfect for that. Uh, And the difference between stain and varnish, well, completely different animals. Your stain is going to be some material that contains most likely pigment and dye coloring agents in suspension that you add to the wood and changes the color of the wood. Partially, uh, pigments generally will stay on the surface, kind of like a paint would stay on the surface, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the dye seeps down. It's smaller particles that seep down into the wood fibers a little bit more. Uh, but most generic uh, off-the-shelf stains contain a little bit of both. 
Um, and varnish is basically that clear coat oil-based resin material that we know and love that we see on tons of furniture all the time. It's just a, a clear coat material that protects the, the surface of the wood. And it's kind of as general as I can get with that. Yeah, that, that, that that's pretty much it exactly. Yeah, okay. there, there's there's anything else. Um, yeah, like what you mentioned, the, the best way to finish a piece of wood, you know, furniture before it's going to get stained first, you're spot on with that. Especially, you know, and sometimes it seems like it's hard to figure out which woods are going to blotch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, have a, I know for a fact pine does. Pine, uh, sure. Cherry seems to be pretty notorious for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always forget these lists until I'm like right in the middle of it. I'm like, man, <laughs> did I spend too, too much time on that one? Did I yeah. spend it? Damn it, not again! <laughs> uh, that's why it's good to do it just in case. I mean, all woods t- technically could potentially splotch depending on some, you know, grain movement that might occur in the middle of a board that you just didn't expect. But most commonly, uh, cherry, alder, pine, maple, poplar. Um, am I missing any of the most common ones that you're going to come across? Well, I think that's all. No, maple's pretty. Did you say maple? Yeah, I did say okay. maple. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that pretty much covers it. Birch yeah. as well, you know, and especially if you get like a Baltic birch sheet of plywood or, or a standard birch plywood, um, that that's going to be a problem when you stain that as well. So just be aware of that. But uh, again, just can't hurt to put down a, a half pound or one pound cut of shellac, wipe it on, sand it, and then stain. And uh, I think you'll be you know, you're, you're sort of just a little bit of an insurance policy for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then one last thing about it. Let's let's remind everybody because we get this question quite a bit. Varnish and polyurethane are the same creature. They're just, you know, different names. <laughs> That's uh, what it really comes down to. Yeah, pretty one's much. Man, one's man-made pretty much and the other one's, you know, like uh, oils and everything else. So, <laughs> Well, in, ge- in general, I try to – it's it's one of those things where um, – Sometimes if you say it wrong, it gets really confusing, but polyurethane is a type of varnish, uh, but not all varnishes are polyurethane. There you go. Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah, it, I skipped that part of logic class, but that's that's right. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I think we can move on now. All right here. Now we have a, uh, an email from Jonathan, and Jonathan, I like this one. This is, yeah, this, this is, is a this cool is, one. This is five parts uh, to this question, but these are some great ones. So we're, let's do one at a time, and then that way we can come back, you know, kind of get through this. So, hey, guys, love the show. Here are a list of questions that should keep you podcasting until the new year. So number one, what was the dumbest thing you have ever done in the workshop? I ripped off a huge chunk of skin on my thumb while adjusting a belt sander. Ah, okay, so that was from Jonathan. <laughs> now, my dumbest thing, let's see if I can remember. There's a couple of times I woke up unconscious, I think, but that might have been from kickback. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the one that, you know, the, our question uh, about well, two questions ago about the pocket hole jigs, I think I actually had an incident with a pocket hole jig that taught me a, a big lesson, which was uh, when I was holding the jig, I, I, I kind of got a little bit lazy, and I, I didn't clamp down as hard as I should have to hold the jig in place. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of trying to hold it with my hand and then hold it and then bring the drill in rather than getting it you know, tight on the <laughs> uh, the tabletop itself. So then, of course, the, the bit caught probably in a knot. I'm thinking now my finger. <laughs> oh, and the, the board spun, and, and, and kind of a reflex, it kind of pulled back a little bit. And unfortunately, my finger was right there where the spinning drill bit was. Ooh. And I, too, lost you know a big chunk. But there was that part of me that's like, I can't stop now. I'm almost done with this project. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds fun. So, yeah, that was that that was pretty much one of the dumbest things that I can think of at the moment or that I'm willing to share. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, mine this just pulling off the top of my head here. I actually didn't pre-read all of these, but um this was actually back in California and I was probably I would say maybe 3 or 4 months into the hobby. I had my first table saw 
had the uh, craftsman uh, unit where the uh, it had the built-in. Um, what I'm losing words here. The built-in uh, extension wing for a router table. So okay, uh, I experimented and put my router in there, and I was flying through cutting stuff, and I realized that. I needed to set a fence up, and I, I'm not exactly sure what the operation was. I think I had like a Roman OG bit on there, and I wanted to utilize the fence. So I figured, well, if I can, you know, put the fence and bury the bit, uh, why can't I just put the fence further away and run the piece of wood between the bit and the fence? You know, kind of in the same way that you might with a table saw, right? Right, yeah. I mean, that's logical, isn't it? So Yeah, it works um, for me. <laughs> so I'm running it from right to left, the same direction you would normally run something over a router bit on a table. But now I have the fence behind the bit. So um, I think I was actually running the piece on edge, uh, trying to put a little bit of a profile into it. So I, I get about oh, a quarter inch into it, and it was just a small little, you know, 14-inch piece of uh, four-quarter material. I created a very cool missile right <laughs> right across the shop. Um, I got a, about a quarter inch into it, and it just said, whoop, and it took it and threw it across the room. And I'm just, I was kind of just left there. You know that that feeling you get when you're in the shop and something goes wrong, and you just have it happens so fast. You're not sure whether you got hurt, and you don't know what the hell happened, but you know you did something really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I do, and that's what I'm so glad that I am the only person in the shop. Yeah, turn turn machine off, walk away. <laughs> yeah, I sat there stunned for about 30 seconds, and I was like, "Oh, uh, okay, um, let's figure out why that happened." You know, and then I just realized that was really, really stupid. So, <laughs> don't do that, kids. That's bad. Oh man, that's a good one. <laughs> that's, all right, I've been there, done that, deliberately yeah. done missile things just for the fun of it. So <laughs> maybe go. that's another dumb one. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to number two before I, I, I make any more big mistakes. Uh, let's see, number two, if you were the great Woodini and could see into the future, what do you think are going to be the newest trends in woodworking? New tools, new techniques? Will the hand tool fanatics rise up and finally defeat, defeat the horsepower hordes in a final Ragnarok of woodwork? What the hell? Where is that? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, it must be like a throwdown. <laughs> I guess Rag, Ragnarok was a uh, one of the, the types of mechs that you could control in Mech Warrior. On, oh, So maybe okay. Ragnarok, that's all I know it from. So maybe Ragnarok, apparently Ragnarok has some other war related meaning that we're not aware of oh i think man. we're exposing our stupidity here matt oh man yeah i, I gotta start getting into more things with welding then maybe <laughs> we'll be okay <laughs> okay so the wood need if we could see into the future i would be investing heavily in everything so <laughs> that's what and and lottery numbers um but right. you know, one thing i'm thinking and i i don't know if it's just me just maybe i happen to read it i've read an article or something not too long ago um i do some de- to some degree think that there are going to be more hand tool things that are coming out because i think as we're kind of seeing this especially like with the the router uh, uh plane right now it seems to be making this big you know uh, comeback and everything and everybody's really interested in it so there's a part of me that thinks that yes there are going to be some more hand planes and everything that are going to come back out but i almost think that we're going to see an introduction of a new line of like power tools, maybe a little bit along the European style where it's like kind of a compact situation, like a multi-tool kind of a thing. Right. Maybe pushing more towards the, the home woodworker situation or even for the professional with kind of limited space, you know, where you just simply, well, they almost look like transformers, you know, it's just yeah, like, you, know, you yeah. flip this around, you pop that up. And I don't know why I've just, I've, I think I've been maybe reading a few more articles about these and stuff like that. So maybe that's what's popping in my head. But I, I think that's almost a situation where it's going to get in more into these multi-tool kind of a situations where you're really going to be pushing these. 
Um, but like I said, if, if I, I knew what was coming in, I would be investing heavily in those companies. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that'd be good. Um, you know, just a heads up, Ragnarok, according to Wikipedia, is Fate of the Gods is the final battle waged between two gods, apparently. Uh, so he just meant big war. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. One. AKA I'm, I'm using that big war. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? If, if I, I guess if I could see into the future, that'd be great. But you know, woodworking trends and tool trends, it's kind of, that's kind of hard to predict because it isn't like it's something that changes a lot to begin with. So, um, predicting that there will be a change in and of itself is a pretty damn, uh, strong prediction. You know what I mean? Like, right. What if the, my prediction is that nothing's going to change. It's going to be exactly the same as it always is. We'll have our <laughs> yep. hand tool junkies and we'll have our power tool junkies. Um, I do personally see a little bit in the hobby. I see a little bit of a resurgence of, uh, of hand tool interest, you know, sort mm-hmm. of a backlash of all the great technology that's out there is this, you know, wait a minute, we're losing sight of, of what we do this, you know, the, the main core reason that we do this in the first place. And that's to get our hands on wood and not have, you know, a, a, a piece of machinery with, um, you know, with a <laughs> voltage going through it between us and the wood. Right. Um, you know, so it, it sort of takes the, the personal aspect and the, you know, I don't know, just the, um, the warm and fuzzy aspect out of it, I think. So, yeah, I see a little bit of a resurgence coming with with the hand tools. And, you know, I would also say very closely aligned with what you said about um, more like European style tooling. Uh, I think, you know, somewhat of like what Festool is doing, for instance, where, where they're much more focused on taking the tool to the wood as opposed to taking the wood to the tool. So smaller, more portable units and the major thing that I think is going to be more and more of an issue is dust collection. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and having dust extractors hooked up to just about every single tool, handheld or you know stationary power tool, I think as people get more and more aware of the dangers of fine dust, I think it's going to become more and more of an issue and a selling point for a company that's smart enough to take advantage of it. Um, you know, if they can get people to understand the dangers uh, of this dust, most likely you're not going to be able to sell a tool without selling a dust extractor to go with it. You know, it just kind of makes good business sense. So, um, that's, that's kind of where I think things will go. I don't really see it changing too much, you know, just based on past performance, I guess. But, uh, you know, that's probably where I I think it'll go, but all in all, not really changing a whole lot. No, unfortunately, woodworkers are definitely you know creatures of habit, and they're yeah. they're, they're they they change not very readily. <laughs> yeah. when it comes down to it, but you know maybe it's like the uh, you know if you hold on to your old tools long enough, they're just like old clothes; they'll cycle back in again. So you can wear your bell bottoms <laughs> and your big lapels while working on your old table saw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I thought about: what about the influence of what we're doing? Um, you know, in the past, you look at what would influence woodworkers. A lot of times, it's relative. You know, maybe it's shop class, you know, or maybe they've taken on a trade once they got out of school. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of ways for people to learn. And now, obviously, there's a major shift. The people who really want this stuff are seeking it out on the internet, you know, and seeking out DVDs and other media forms and learning from that method. You know, so the the it makes me wonder where a lot of us, you know, may need, may have to be sponsored to survive. You know, so there right. will be certain products being pushed in these areas. Will that you know, I guess I kind of see it as our responsibility to make sure that we show all sides of woodworking, not just the stuff that our sponsors sell, you know, also the things that, you know, that you just need to, to know, like we were just talking about with hand tools. 
Right, absolutely. For a minute there, I thought you were going in a direction where they're going to have iPods built in directly to the table saw. So. Oh, man. <laughs> you need you need to submit a patent for that. That is awesome. All right, I'm writing that one down too right Could now. Could you imagine a, a set of speakers coming out of the side of your cabinet saw? <laughs> it automatically, the sound goes up when the blade starts spinning. Yeah, just like just like in your car when you get on the, uh, the freeway and it, it just raises the volume for you. Yeah, just a nice iPod dock sitting right in the front. Dude, that's fantastic. Oh yeah, or definitely. An LCD. That we don't have to carry around with you anymore. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, an LCD screen in your dust collector or something. You know, just technology could. Uh, this could really take over. Oh, I like that. Great yeah, idea. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on with another one of Jonathan's questions here. We we're up to number three. What are your woodworking New Year's resolutions? Uh, mine is to. Um, I want to experiment more with uh, finishes, get more. Um, this year, I actually took the big leap and moved away from polyurethane and went to uh, shellac. Nice. So, yeah, and th- and I actually got, I was very happy with it. Now I had to convince myself not to use it in every single situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it- I'm going to try and move on from there. But that that is definitely one of those. I want to I want to get a little bit more into finishing, get to that point where it's not such a drudgery. Yeah. It will always be a drudgery to some degree, but be just, you know, I've got more options options so i can definitely try new things that's my number one new year's resolution good one good one um i think i have two my my first one is to make more uh furniture um just furniture projects for the show uh, focus i mean techniques will always be included in what i do but focus a little bit more on projects uh, and of yeah, course, absolutely. Um, People love seeing that stuff. I know I like watching yeah. it when you're doing. It. I'm like, oh, that, well, wow! I don't have to go down to the shop now. Mark did it for me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and the the opportunity to show uh, techniques throughout that process is always there. So I don't necessarily need as many. You know, I'm just going to talk about this technique today, kind of thing. So, um, and I think the other thing I'd like to do is definitely. We mentioned it. This is definitely a recurring theme for me today is the hand tool thing. Um, get a little bit more into hand tools and also bring that into my show as well. So Nice, yeah. nice. Okay, number four, I love this question. Who would win in a full contact cage match, Norm Abram, Scott Phillips, or Roy Underhill? <laughs> now, in this situation, you know what? I have to go with Roy Underhill because this guy is doing nothing but muscle-powered tools. Heck yeah. Everything is, you know, hand planes and even like a drill. He's using like those giant drills, you know, like you have to actually twist it with your hand and everything. So I think just in raw muscle power, he's got the other ones beat hands down and yeah. just beat the living daily out of them. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's definitely one of those guys who's probably stronger than he looks. You know, he's got that mm-hmm. sort of wiry look to him. But, man, he's the, you just when you're not looking, he's going to punch you in the, the, the package. So... That's right. <laughs> you got to be careful. But although I would, I would be a little bit intimidated by seeing Norm in one of those, uh, like I don't know, what do you call those wrestling outfits? The spandex, oh, a singlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of like Andre the Giant style. You know. Oh man. Well, the there's a part of me that almost thinks that like Scott Phillips, he just seems like such you know, like the guy next door kind of a thing. But there's that part of me that sometimes I'm afraid of those people because you do just like a little like a switch and they'll just turn monster on you. <laughs> yeah. Who who is um Homer Simpson's neighbor? Oh, um, uh, is it Ned? Ned, 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 yeah. (laughs) Scott Phillips reminds me a little bit of Ned Flanders. Thank you. I thought I was the only person that was noticing that. Every single time I watch the show, I'm like... It's Scott Phillips. <laughs> yeah, no, Scott's a great, he's a great guy, but you know, I, we like to make fun of people. So, um, <laughs> let's move on before we get ourselves into trouble. I can okay. see this. We're going to, we're going to meet Scott one day and it's going to, we're going to have problems, but yeah, he's gonna be like, I'll take you into the cage match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, the, the last question we have here, what is your least favorite woodworking tool that you cannot live without? 
Um, he says he hates clamps, for example. Huh. Uh, which is my least favorite. That's a good question. Tool. That's a really good question. Yeah, you know, and I, I've been I've been racking my brain on this. The only thing I'm coming up with, and I know some people don't consider this a woodworking tool, but I do, and I, I think you, you mentioned it too. Uh, I, I I cannot stand my circular saw sometimes. Dude, but that's I can't so live weird. Without it. I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> that's weird, but I have a caveat in mind, and here I go pushing my sponsors again. I that was the case uh, until I started working with the um, the Festool uh, TS55. But anyway, I don't want to talk about that too much. But go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's no problem. I, 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 gee, I, I wonder why it was so much nicer to work with the Festool one. Well, it just it never, <laughs> you know, I, I had the Porter Cable uh, unit before, and it just never worked the way that I wanted it to. When I expected to have a nice, clean, straight cut, it was never clean and straight, you know, and, and there's so many factors as to why. Uh, but that's no longer a problem for me. Wait, you point. don't have a laser on it? Have you seen the, the, the Craftsman ones with the laser? It's got know, a laser? Does yeah, that... you, and you, you, you turn it just slightly. Now you follow the straight line again. Oh, you turn slightly the other way, and you're still following the <laughs> well, straight line. Say, the, the great thing about the laser is you could see exactly how bad your cut is <laughs> as you're going. You're like, "Yep, this really sucks." You know? Yeah. Wow. I, I need I need a different tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I I would agree. The circular saw is such a complete like necessity. But if you have, you know, if you're working with just an old straight edge and maybe not the greatest blade or even not even the greatest saw. You're gonna hate that machine pretty damn quick. Oh yeah, yep. I got a project right now, and that's exactly that's the only thing that's gonna work for it. And it's like I am putting that portion off as long as I can because I hate it. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I can't now that I I don't really have that as a problem. Trying to think if there's anything else that stands out as like, man, I need this, but I hate it. Um, no, I don't think so. I think my uh, pencils, I get really mad at my pencils because yeah, they keep yeah. breaking off. <laughs> Damn things keep breaking. I like my little Walmart pencil sharpener a lot though. That, 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 that's a nice thing to have in the shop. Um, pencil sharpener. Got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's the thing. I, I, I figure wooden pencils are just the best to have in the shop. You could have 20 of them laying around and I just got a little old school. Uh, well, it's actually pink. It looks pretty cool. Um, pencil sharpener that, uh, that I keep on the wall. I feel like I'm back in school. You know, it, it works pretty well. There you go, like a little Hello Kitty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I can't think of anything, man. I'm I'm lost for anything that I absolutely hate working with. So, hey, baby, this is one of those uh, listeners. Give us some feedback. Let's hear what you have. To yeah, say. what I'm are really you kind of curious about? In fact, this. all of these questions, I'd love to hear everybody's opinion on because this, we can get some pretty funny answers. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can get a cage, death cage match thing going on. We'll find out for sure. We'll get a hold of MTV, see if they can do one. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, since uh, I think you and I both have some uh, things on our agenda today, let's take one more email and right, uh, let's do it. and we'll call it quits. All right. Okay. Got one from Rudy. He says, I've got a three horsepower cabinet saw with a forest woodworker two blade. When I rip wood, I get a smooth cut on the piece between the blade and the fence, but the piece on the outside of the blade is always rough. I've checked my saw alignment, and it's all fine. The miter slots are parallel to the blade, and the fence is parallel to the miter slots. Do you think that this rough cut could be the result of a blade being dull? Any thoughts on the matter would be appreciated. Love your show. Keep up the great work, and happy holidays. Now, I would say it doesn't sound like a dull blade. To me, this sounds like the uh, zero clearance insert might not be perfectly suited for that blade. You know, maybe okay. on the outside edge, maybe it's got a little bit too wide of an opening. Um, so eh, I'm thinking that might be that would be the first thing I would think of. And that's causing a little bit of uh, tear out, possibly. Um, he, he didn't specify whether the actual edge itself is the problem or if it's, you know, a little bit of uh, frayed material at the end. Uh, right. But that would be my first guess. 
I think that's a that's a pretty good guess because that's I'm rereading it again and I'm thinking you know, I can't really come up with anything specifically. Yeah. I was I was starting to wonder if maybe like it was a like a the grind of the blade or whatever if, for whatever you know reason that one side you know when when it was ground it was just ground a little bit cleaner. But I mean the forest woodworking blades are just they're yeah. they're they're known for just being so damn good. Yeah. Exactly. So you know I I doubt that's the the situation. Um, one side then, though that's so weird. You know? Yeah, that is, that, then I'm wondering, you know, like, well, Casey, okay, so if he's ripping, could it be a situation where maybe uh, he doesn't have like a splitter at the back end, so that maybe that that piece as it's being ripped is kind of coming back and clicking on the back side of the blade? Yeah, just you getting know? nicked up a little bit. Yeah, that that's the that's the only other thing. I'm at this point now. I'm really kind of grasping at straws. Well, but... here's the other thing. Think of it this way: you're facing your blade. Let's say the blade takes, and he says he's got it all correct and all accurate. But you never know. Sometimes you think things are perfect and they're not. Uh, yeah. Let's say the blade tilts back on the back end a little bit to the left. Of course, at that point, then the workpiece going between the fence and the blade is perfectly clean. But on the the outside of the cut, the back of the blade is doing exactly what you're saying it would do. It would nick up the back of the uh, uh, the, the left hand workpiece. So um, I actually then I changed my answer because I think he is talking about the edge itself. I think he should probably um, he should probably. Sorry, my dog just jumped in onto the mixing board. Welcome th- to the show. <laughs> yeah, I think you should probably check the alignment. And uh, you know what? With that, I'm going to have to rush out of here because I've got to take my doggy to the vet. So Okay, no problem, <laughs> man. Well, you take care of that. Uh, Rudy, thanks for writing it and everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and happy holidays to everybody. We'll, uh, you know, I, d- I doubt we'll get one out before the next show or before uh, Christmas, but we will get one soon after, and we'll talk about how the holidays went. Absolutely. We'll share all our good stuff. So everybody take care and happy holidays to everyone. Merry and Christmas. Happy holidays to you too, Mark. Yes, and you too. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you. I'm all right. Hope. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> all right. Take care. Tell me a little about yourself, Matt. Okay. Well, my name's Matt, and um, I was raised a uh, small boy, but then eventually I grew into a medium-sized boy. And eventually I became a large boy, although my wife still says I'm a small boy in general, but that's just the attitude. <laughs>